Hello out there, Michael Tingser here. Coming Back Stronger is a special edition podcast series focusing on the way food and drinks businesses are bouncing back as the world slowly starts to reopen from COVID-19. We will especially be sharing great stories on how progressive leaders are bouncing back from the pandemic by utilizing the power of technology and delivery. By listening into these conversations in the coming period, you'll be able to pick up some great stories, insights and facts, as well as best practices from industry experts, independent operators to national chains, who all are setting a new standards for how to operate in the new normal. Beta Mojo and Hospitality Mavericks join forces on this project due to have a shared belief on how tech play a massive role in building companies that's good for people, communities and the planet. In this episode, our guest is Rob Kidd, a management consultant and expert in hospitality technology. Rob and Michael talk about how tech is changing the hospitality industry and how progressive operators are using tech to survive and thrive during and in the aftermath of the pandemic. Rob also gives a number of great advice on how to optimize your digital strategy to ensure short and long-term return of investment. Take time out, grab notebook, and your pen, and enjoy. Welcome to the Coming Back Stronger Special Edition podcast series. And we are now in the early June, and uh, we are probably 11, 12 weeks into lockdown, not lockdown. I'm not 100% sure where we are with all the things going on right now. And a lot of things have happened. And there's a subject we're going to talk about today that's very relevant compared to the what's happening right now in hospitality and that digitization. And, 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 and this period has shown the importance of being digital or going digital or expanding your digital reach. And to discuss that, I've uh, invited a, a good friend and a colleague of mine, Rob Kidd, who... Uh, he has a quite uh, extensive knowledge about uh, technology and hospitality. So welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And Rob, for people that haven't seen the, the great content you have shared out there on hospitality tech recently and seen your, your very beautiful index, we'll come back and talk about uh, later. Who are, who are Rob and what is your role around digitalization and, and hospitality? I am a freelance management consultant. I help organizations to implement uh, change and organizational improvement. And increasingly, that has a a technology focus to it. So I'm often asked to uh, advise on what aspects of an organization's technology they ought to focus on, how to uh, evaluate providers and how to implement the solution that they choose. I started my career in uh, hospitality in in running uh, food-led pubs and restaurants for several years. Uh, and then I took a segue through local government and non-profits, but now I'm back uh, in hospitality, um, focusing on those improvement projects and helping operators to uh, find and implement new tech solutions. To give a couple of examples of uh, some of the projects you have worked on uh, the last couple of years or year, uh, what have that been and what have uh, specifically been uh, been the challenges? Sure. So for the last uh, two or three years, I've been alternating uh, between Pret-a-Manger and Gail's Artisan Bakery between um, other assignments. Uh, so for Pret, I project managed the implementation of a mobile app for their US business. And then more recently, I supported the migration of their 
global e-commerce websites onto a single platform and to a single agency. And then for Gales, I've worked on uh, rolling out a new POS system, uh, reviewing their uh, strategic procurement uh, and consolidating their supplier base, and then more recently looking at product lifecycle management software uh, and looking at a review of their people management applications. And that's super interesting because the, in the, we, we had this conversation uh, off this podcast a lot of time, the, the maturity or the adaption of um, technology in the industry. And uh, and we have often talked about uh, that this industry has been quite late into be disrupted by technology in the way other sectors has or the adaption of it for sure. Um, where do you see hospitality, you know, if we just cut away, we are now in the pandemic and a lot of things has been fast forward, we can come back to that. But where, where, where if you should give like the big picture of where you see hospitality are from a majority point of view, from adapting technology, using that both for our guests and uh, for the employees? I think it obviously it varies and, and hospitality is a, a very broad church. No one really goes into the hospitality industry, I don't think, with a view to it being a particularly technology-focused career. So often, uh, you know, people found a restaurant or a bar or a coffee shop because that's their their passion. Um, and the idea of sort of there being really very much technology that's that's relevant to that, I think, is uh, is still pretty rare. Recently, and I don't mean sort of during COVID nineteen, but in the last, I guess, three to five years. The, the tech community, if you like, seems to have caught up a bit. And now there's a huge, huge offer uh, for hospitality operators to potentially pick uh, pick different solutions that might help them become more efficient, um, grow their margins, really drive sales. So there's a lot out there. But I think it's, it's something that as an industry, we've perhaps, uh, if not feared, then certainly kind of struggled to get the most out of compared to uh, for example, retail. Um, it's also interesting, I think I would draw a, a sort of a divide between some of those hospitality companies, particularly the sort of larger multiples that have been around for a few years. They seem to find it harder to adopt new technology solutions to kind of pivot, to to really sort of try new ways of um, having an operating model. For example, uh, that, that shift from uh, in-store to online and for delivery and click and collect and when new organizations have have popped up uh, they found it easier to adopt new systems so for example in the states uh, sweetgreen the um, kind of high-end salad chain if you like um, for a long time they were very um, very long queues around the block but if you wanted a kind of a quick lunch uh, it just wasn't an option because you knew that the food was that good and it was so popular that you'd have to wait. And then as soon as they introduced their um, very expensive and uh, very effective mobile app, all of a sudden they had click and collect and they, you know, you didn't have to queue up, you picked a convenient time slot. And that then became a big um, competitor to um, traditional grab and go operators like uh, Panera Bread, for example. So it's interesting to see how Sometimes if you're new and you're unencumbered by your uh, kind of traditional ways of working or a a particular mindset, you can actually find it much easier to respond to things like COVID-19 because you're um, sort of more flexible and adaptable. It's quite interesting. Sweet Green is a great example from from the outset when they set up. I can remember I read an article from the founders where they said that they didn't see them primarily only as a 
restaurant hospitality business, they were also a driver of behavioral change. There was one thing in society, but also technology was from the outset uh, uh, one of the most important uh, you know, elements in the recipe for success. They knew, they understood, uh, and that they built a, a massive uh, AI solution to understand where the, the produce comes from, but they knew that technology was very important to think about from the outset. And maybe they didn't have everything implemented from the outset, but there was an intent and a, a roadmap of some kind of way from the founders that knew that they needed that to, to, to succeed in in the competition with other uh, out there, uh, if uh, I totally agree with your 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 analysis, there one of the interesting thing is that you know if you look before the pandemic as well, you saw the the amount of money and the resources like uh, big players like Chipotle and McDonald's, uh, they are quick service uh, grab and go concepts. I would say implementing technology and McDonald's even going out buying technology companies, so. I, I guess there was like there was some people that definitely had the resources and, and, and the vision that already were gearing up for this uh, situation, even though they didn't know this was coming. Sure. Sure. And I think probably the people in those organizations that, you know, if you take McDonald's as an example, they spent, uh, I think it was $100 million or something like that on their, their significant order ahead AI acquisition. And it, the person who drove that decision internally i'm guessing was probably seen as a bit of a well, a bit of a maverick really and a bit of a trailblazer because i bet that the majority of people at mcdonald's kind of thought look we know what we're doing we're you know we have a system and it works but actually you really have to look a little bit further ahead and to kind of imagine well you know what are some worst case scenarios almost or you know what, what's the big kind of uh, the next big thing on the horizon that we need to worry about so before covid19 a lot of restaurants, particularly groups, I think, were recognizing uh, the potential for software and AI to improve their, their labor scheduling, which is for, for pretty much every hospitality business, a, a huge, um, a huge cost and one that you only need to control a little bit to actually have a, a significant saving across the business. So it's interesting that when people see the opportunity, actually, they can really take on some quite significant projects. And McDonald's is obviously at the very extreme end of the of the spectrum in terms of the size and type of organizations but even uh, very small operators are starting to recognize oh wow you know there's technology out there that is um all of a sudden much more accessible and much more affordable to small operators that could really help to give us a competitive advantage it's also about uh, you know there's an element of the understanding when you you choose technology and we can come back to that is that either in my world it has to you know you know, make you more efficient, so save time, or it has to make you money in a yeah. way. Um, and that and that's the two two uh, two two things you need to look at when you you go out and try technology. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I get asked a lot. Um, you know, as operators or or individuals sort of say, I feel overwhelmed by all of the potential things that we could do. You know, the the amount of technology that's on the market, the different projects that we could undertake no one's short of ideas you know it's it's we're certainly a very kind of creative industry and the advance and so the answer that i always give is first of all to focus on your inefficiencies so f work out how to save money become more efficient trim off the the sort of the wastage if you like before you focus on the projects that will drive sales and a lot of 
organizations, I think, find that sort of either counterintuitive and they kind of think, you know, growth must be achieved at all costs or they sort of think, but is that, you know, interesting enough or glamorous enough and will that really help? And I think if you have an inefficient business for which you then grow sales, your waste is just becoming bigger. So, you you know, you, you might sort of um, run a successful marketing campaign or introduce a fantastic new website that really kind of drives sales. But if in the back end, you've got people manually rekeying information or working on processes that could be automated or you've got, you know, an inefficient deployment of labor, a lot of that growth that you've worked so hard to achieve is then going to be wasted. So for me, it's about first identifying your inefficiencies. And the easiest way to do that is to look where you're using spreadsheets. So wherever you sort of say, where am I inefficient? I will just say, show me your spreadsheets. There is no reason to use a spreadsheet to run a hospitality business unless you are in a finance department. If you have anyone in a an operational role using spreadsheets to plan their labor or to do their ordering or those sorts of things, there is almost always some sort of proper tech tool out there or just a simplified process um, that means that you can get away from teams having to remember how to do complex formulae in Excel and can get back to doing what they're in the hospitality industry to do, which is to run bars, restaurants and cafes. It's very interesting. Let's stay with the scheduling because it's such a... Uh, it's such a it's such a big thing for everyone, and where there's a lot of pain around as an operator, your when how many people to get on, and 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 believe it or not, uh, I agree with you. I still see a lot of spreadsheets, and I actually see people scheduling in spreadsheets and taking pictures of them and sharing them in WhatsApp. And there's a lot of other challenges about that, but that just just getting control or having overview of your workforce, the amount of time you would save an understanding of your business uh, because show me your scheduling and I can tell you how your business perform and how, how good it is. I'm no doubt about that because that's the core thing. And I, you know, the biggest inefficiency that I've seen as an operator myself is often been around the scheduling and the biggest conflicts as well around labor and the conversations around labor. And that's where, why don't get a tool that can help you with that. And then I would say, if you haven't done that and I know that there's people out there that hasn't done that. Get that done now, because that's where you will take a lot of headache away, both and also engage from a just take an employee engagement point of view that you actually can do everything through a phone or whatever it is. Get away from those spreadsheets on that. I agree, agree. Get away from spreadsheet, but scheduling is one of the things I've seen. And I don't know if you see the same thing. It's surprising that how many that still runs things from a spreadsheets point of view when it comes to scheduling yeah absolutely i think um that labor labor scheduling and planning and productivity area is one where lots of hospitality organizations are still doing that in a very old-fashioned way you know if not a spreadsheet then just a sort of printed out grid and scribbling names down that kind of thing it's one where the software uh is quite a mature market there are lots and lots of options available uh, they tend to have very good integrations with thing like, things like your payroll system and other kind of downstream systems. They're pretty affordable. And the potential impact of them in terms of not just kind of shaving off a few kind of pennies of your, um, your weekly kind of uh, labor percentage high-level metric, but making sure that your shifts are really, really carefully planned so that you're optimizing your customer experience. You're not just making sure you don't have too many people on 
that you've got the right number of people to satisfy your busiest period. So maybe you've got one hour in a day, which is your your absolute peak. And maybe that's the time when you need to have your your overlaps and your, you know, making sure there's no kind of shift changes during that peak period. And for a lot of organisations, that that sort of makes sense from a, a kind of strategic, you know, theoretical perspective, but actually understanding exactly when are those periods and how do they change from one week to the next? And, you know, what difference does it make if the venue is urban or suburban or rural? And all of those different things, you could do that. And people have done that for a long time in their heads. But if you want something that's really going to make the most of the technology out there and actually that doesn't rely on a manager having this almost sort of superhuman computing ability, just get a bit of software to do it. This is something that's very, very easy to specify and to adopt and to to really see a, a very quick win from. And it is super interesting what you said before as well about, you know, a lot of people would like to start on the growth, the sales bit, but actually where the, the biggest gain is, and how we talked about scheduling, is again, the inefficiencies within, behind the, the counter in a way and how you operate in there. Because again, that's often where there is most spreadsheets. You don't show spreadsheets to customers. Most have a post system that's already implemented and, and actually potentially actually doing an okay job. Uh, but actually, when you start working in the in the back of house, let's call it that, you will see amazing uh, efficiency improvement if you implement that technology. Right, is my experience, and you also see engagement of your staff go up uh, quite easily because suddenly they, their job becomes easier because they have an overview of what they do. And I think often technology is also about giving you an overview and a bit of control of all these fluent things we have in the back of house. Exactly. I think, I mean, that's particularly the case for multiples and the bigger an organization gets in terms of its its number of sites, the harder it is to maintain consistency from one to the next. And the more important it gets to be able to report accurately. And that's, you know, could be for everything from um, maintaining performance, making sure that standards are being adhered to, making sure that teams are, are legally compliant and all of those sorts of things, as well as you know, talking to investors or making sure that your your business is is profitable and sustainable. So lots of organizations kind of think, oh, the back office stuff. It's a bit like when you go into a restaurant, right? When you see the front of house, if it's a if it's a good venue, there's a lot of thought has been put into what's the seating like, what's the lighting like, you know, what's the ambience. And we spend a lot of time as operators in, in making sure those things are as good as they can be. Whereas the back office, no one expects that to be you know, as glamorous as the front of house, but how often do we see the notice boards with all the, you know, old rotors stuck up and the, you know, the the light bulb that's broken and all those sorts of things. And I think that's very much the same for an organization's tech that often they will focus a lot of attention on uh, their POS system, um, often their website, those sorts of things. I've seen lots of organizations develop mobile apps for sometimes kind of real like vanity reasons you know we feel like we ought to have one or we just would like to get into that space whereas the back office is still kind of neglected and actually if we if we just spent a bit of time uh, and a bit of resource on the back office the efficiency gains that we can get mean that not only are we driving sales but we're sure that the sales that we are uh, we're creating are for customers who get a brilliant customer experience and we know that we're not kind of wasting uh wasting that growth through inefficiencies with that overview and you know where where we are from a maturity point of view and a, a very some very good examples of you know what what you you see out there in, in, in businesses 
then we are now hit by something that really changed the world. You know, some some businesses is totally closed down in hospitality. It's one of the industry that is uh, hit the hardest. Everybody's hit, but there's definitely no doubt that hospitality is very hard hit by this situation. And then there's some that has, uh, you know, kept open. And there has been a lot of digital talk and a lot of, you know, launch of digital, especially digital e-commerce channels and delivery and, and so on has been quite hot topics in the moment. How do you see the whole pandemic and digitization and what's gone on? I think for hospitality, it's it's been probably more serious maybe than any other industry. I think the hospitality industry was already very fragile and, and a lot of organizations were very unsustainable. And it was interesting to see how many um, how many failures there were within a day or so of sales being hit. So organizations basically saying after one or two days of not being able to trade, that's it. You know, we are going bust and, and we, we cannot sustain this any longer, which is, is kind of pretty depressing. I mean, I think it's, you know, as I said before, this is an industry that people go into often because they they love it. They love the hospitality, they love cooking or they love um, entertaining and that kind of thing, and they enjoy having a restaurant full of people. Um, but the margins have grown ever smaller, and the challenges in terms of kind of rent and rates, uh, the labour costs are, are growing ever greater. And I think for a lot of um, operators, this has been, you know, we've talked about a perfect storm before. This has really been the eye of the storm. And like a lot of industries, it's really um, sort of expedited a lot of the the change and the churn that we've seen. So probably some of these businesses would have failed at some point, And this has really just been, um, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. What I've taken some comfort from is how quickly and how effectively a lot of organisations have pivoted, have adopted new technology. You know, there are countless examples of those organisations who have switched from uh, eat-in to takeaway or to delivery. Um, there's a relatively mature uh, market for for um, delivery and aggregators, and that has been um, something I think that supported a lot of hospitality organisations. But in, you know, to their credit, they have adopted these new ways of working very very quickly. And I bet if you'd said to them, you know, before the pandemic, do you think you could pivot from having a full restaurant every day to operating entirely on delivery? They would have said, "Oh, that's going to take us, you know, months to implement, and we'll never do it." And actually, a lot of them have, have found, "Okay, this isn't ideal, but we're making a go of it. It's keeping our business, um, keeping it going, and probably we're adopting some things that we can continue once the lo- lockdown is lifted, or once we return to whatever normal looks like post COVID nineteen. So, for a lot of businesses, I think this has really sort of galvanised them and, and um, helped them to." cut out some of that inefficiency to grow their business or really to pivot to a different model, which is actually much more sustainable. Yeah, it's super interesting what you say, Rob, about you know how quickly actually people, there has been this like uh, search in productivity about getting things done or just try them out. For I have that you know startup mentality to that. We'll just have to do something now because the pressure is on. And I, and I think it's a very good way of positioning saying that what, what would you have done if you suddenly couldn't have people sitting in your restaurant and you only did takeaway have really forced people to be creative about 
how they serve the customer and how they you know how they they fulfill the needs of getting food in their homes but also how they actually can order what is the the biggest you know like pivot that you've seen and you've been quite surprised that that went so fast after we we hit lockdown there've been a few i think leon probably really stands out as an organization that sort of really grasped the nettle and kind of said if we sort of forget everything that we thought we knew you know what does our business need to look like partly they um focused very carefully i think on what's the the value that they could add so they pivoted to a grocery model uh, they really looked at which sites they could keep open and what they could do best with them um they also did some fantastic pr work around supporting the nhs and frontline workers and they really sort of galvanized industry um around themselves in a way that i think a lot of organizations kind of they did okay you know they sort of said we're doing our bit and we're you know making hand sanitizer or we're sending meals to hospitals or whatever but at leon i think really kind of captured that very effectively and now they've kind of launched this um this platform if you like of of uh video and podcast content um which is kind of you know when we look back and say well, what did we do during the lockdown you know what what did we do to keep productive i think they've really um looked at their marketing and their maybe this was a future plan that they've expedited maybe this is something they've just come up with on the hoof but they've very quickly been able to uh put together and launch a very slick customer facing um brand growth website if you like that that really kind of shows what they're about and and will hopefully help them to engage with new customers the other um kind of smaller end of the spectrum i guess is the the local uh one off independent organizations you know the the coffee shops and the cafes who have changed their product offer uh, there's one near me who's kind of um built this sort of fort out of their uh, unused tables and chairs to maintain social distancing so that people can come and order things they've uh you know pivoted away from food cooked in the kitchen to things that they can handle uh with one or two people rather than three or four so they've got the social distancing for the staff and i'm sure there are dozens or hundreds of of those hospitality businesses who initially kind of felt like well that's it you know we're over that's the the proclamation from the government we have to shut up shop to then thinking partly you know we've ordered this we can't just sit at home and you know there's only so much gardening we can do before we start to get itchy feet so i think we're now seeing some great kind of green shoots of hospitality businesses who are saying it's not perfect we're not back up to full speed this still needs testing but actually when i talk to kind of operators local to where i live they're saying you know this is sustainable it's not it's not great you know we we'd rather have a, a cafe full of people we'd rather be you know running a, a full kitchen but actually compared with the alternative of either being on furlough or having to shut the business altogether this is this is doable sometimes that's technology enabled sometimes that's you know working with a partner like a, a delivery aggregator for example sometimes it's just being really pragmatic and saying well, what does our shop need to look like how can we work and still be socially distant so pret has done a fantastic job of that there's very little um technology in terms of their um business improvements but you know what would make the most difference perspex screens limited numbers of people entering the shop increased hand washing none of this is technology driven there might be some tech out there that that enables some of it but actually this is just uh, pragmatism common sense and being kind of realistic about what can we achieve 
it's super interesting the two examples you give here and i agree you're seeing these two spectrum especially leon uh, we had hugo on the the podcast uh, that was where well, actually went live yesterday talking about you know they they had some plans in place on digitalization there was already a a new version of leon especially from a digital point of view and all these plans was just pushed forward and they were executed faster than you normally would and then they came up with some initiatives as well to tell tell the stories what they were doing as well so they've been very good at storytelling as you said through different mediums of uh, using digital content like podcast and uh, their websites and uh, feed Britain as a campaign and getting people involved, but also then you have where I think is very interesting what's happened on you know normally the small operator that normally wouldn't think about technology very quickly adapting and I've seen a similar thing as you've seen in your in my local area actually suddenly they have a web shop you can order online they will deliver to your door and that means you suddenly start to buy more locally just with the help of technology. Um, and they're still getting their grips around it, but they 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 they're doing it because it's a, it's more bearable, as you said, than not having these orders coming in. So that's butchers. It's it's a, even there's a local coffee shop opening now that's selling cakes because she makes her own cakes, so now she sells them online for click and collect together with coffee. You can go. I think she open four hours a day. So again, it just gives an example about how they've used technology to to actually get back open. It actually gave them an opportunity to trade they didn't have if they only could do at the till. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, obviously, COVID-19 has been a, an absolute calamity. You know, no one would, would want to have seen this. But if we try and sort of travel ever, hopefully, I think there have been two um, two positives, really, for the hospitality industry and a lot of uh, a lot of industries, really. One is that this forced downtime has meant that we've really got no excuse to put off those projects that we've been sort of saying, oh, you know, when I get around to it, it's it's not a kind of a burning platform. Um, the things like the, you know, implementing the back office software, you know, the, the stuff that we've always said, oh, we really ought to do that, but now's not the right time. Well, you know what? Now's the right time because you've, you've got nothing else to do but to look at this. Um, and the other, I think, is that hospitality businesses particularly have often surprised themselves by how quickly they've been able to pivot you know looking at your your coffee shop example um i I would bet that that's something uh that that proprietor wouldn't have thought of of being able to do you know if you'd sort of said why don't you set up a web shop and sell your cakes or to the high street butcher why not just sell it online they would have said oh it's too hard i'm not a technology specialist i can't afford the consultancy maybe it's too difficult and now it's they're sort of going well actually that was nowhere near as hard as we thought it was going to be and you know maybe they've created uh, a useful kind of side hustle maybe the coffee shop owner will keep selling her cakes online when the when the lockdown is lifted maybe it's just shown them that actually these are tools that are available for everyone and the barrier to entry for a lot of technology that used to be very very complex is now much lower and it's it's much more accessible to people of all kind of technology abilities what is interesting is that some people they suddenly start selling to a new audience as well they didn't know they had because people share it on social media and that the operator has been clever and using social media had really really maybe taking an uptake in sales they didn't have before Uh, and that maybe uh, for some i've been talking with means they're very close 
to where they originally will be, especially the one with the retail arm, cakes, butchers, wedge people. They are very close. Some some of the, the wet shop that's local for me, they, they have they have been over capacity for many reasons because there was not enough weight. But again, they say the digital sales was before they had an email system. You can you can you can send them an email with your order. And then they will pack it and you can come, they will come and drop it off on a Friday or Thursday. But now, since they deliver every day, I think their sales are up with 40% online compared to before. That's massive, you know, and, and it's easier, as he said, than dealing with people in the shop because they don't have to fill the shelf. They don't need to have it looking nice for these people. We just pack that box for them and then we put it at their front door. That's it. And payment up front. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, a lot of members of the public have really taken to heart that kind of shop local, use it or lose it mentality. You know, we everyone sort of recognises that, that we want vibrant, uh, dynamic, diverse high streets. And hospitality is obviously a, a significant part of what makes a high street appealing. And I think a lot of people have realised, um, you know, they can't keep relying on one massive supermarket for all their needs if they want to see the small independent local shops uh, near them thriving. I think um, I'm Gales, I'm obviously sort of a little biased because they're a current client and I, I'm a sort of a bit of a Gales super fan, but what they did in pivoting from a mixed retail hospitality model to a pure retail model, um, this was a significant shift in their, in their business, but actually um, having a, a foot in the door of retail or you know quite a significant one meant that it was relatively easy for them to shift and to continue to provide that service what i think has really set some businesses apart from others is their um their sort of savvy when it comes to social media so if you want to make your product known beyond the people that typically walk past you you know if you're a, a cafe business that's reliant on footfall maybe you need to reach a different demographic and actually using social media as a way to promote your business, particularly if your business has changed somewhat, if you've got a new offer that people might not know about. Social media now I think is more important than ever. And lots of hospitality businesses, particularly the small independents, I think kind of either shied away from social media or kind of saw it as a bit of a kind of, oh, I probably ought to. And, you know, it's not something I find interesting, but everyone else is doing it. Maybe I should kind of uh, be involved now it's being seen as a really important um sales driver and way for people to understand what they're up to um i saw on uh, the uh, propel this morning that um loungers um who operate i think a, a few hundred lounges and cozy club venues around the uk they were able to survey six thousand of their sort of loyal customers and find out what their views were on would they come back? Do they want to see social distancing? You know, how does the offer need to change? So being able to access those customers, either through social channels or because you've built up relationships with them um, digitally somehow, I think is what's going to really set some organisations apart when we come to returning uh, back to, you know, lifting lockdown and seeing uh, hospitality businesses open their doors again. So being kind of ahead of that curve, if you like, and, and really understanding what is digital communication? What, what role does social media play in my business? I think is going to be increasingly important. Super interesting you touch on that because I think there's a lot of people that has been on social media but haven't really thought deep about how they, they put products on and stuff like that. But they forgot 
the the whole essence of what I think it's about. It's about storytelling. It's about thinking, talking about the life in your business, and yeah, of course, thereby the product indirectly. But actually, the people have been already doing that. I've seen some local one here in Brighton where I was, and they just like from a takeaway point of view, they soared expectations because people really missed them. But they could still communicate them with telling stories, making small videos, and talking to them how they feel about things, and you know, be very honest and raw. And actually, that's what helps. But on the other side, when you talk about knowing your customers, like you mentioned, launch as I thought that article. Well, again, this shows that the, there has been a strategy of having a CRM system put in place, so you actually know who your customers are and what they their needs and wants are and how they want it served. And it's very interesting they've done that work before they open because maybe they're not going to have the full picture, but they're definitely going to have a better picture by having some data. And, you know, technology is also about data. We haven't even touched that, you know, data to make better business decisions, more structured data, more clean data than your your gut feeling that normally are used in, in hospitality. What are you thinking about, like, the organization that prepped for that and had some data to make decisions as they walk through this, do you think they're going to come out better on the other side? Or yeah, I mean that's my my sort of general take on it is that the organisations that had invested in either in just in their social channels, you know, who had a, a presence on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or wherever their customers are, will have found the transition into lockdown and then the shift back out again. I think they will find that uh, somewhat easier. My caveat, though, is that the more important thing is your customer offer. And I think if you have a a kind of a mediocre hospitality business, but a fantastic social media offer that, you know, no one's paying to talk to you on Instagram. And so you'll have to um, really make sure that your product offer is exactly what your customers want it to be in order to succeed with reduced footfall and greater uncertainty and the sort of the anxiety that customers are likely to have about um, resuming their their hospitality habits. But undoubtedly, having that capability, that sort of digital capability established before going into lockdown, I think is going to be much easier to maintain than for an organisation who didn't do that before and are now sort of playing catch up and trying to to grow that customer sort of relationship or, or even database digitally takes me a bit to again you know we'll we'll we're now seeing slowly reopening i think there's a you know communication coming out each day in uh, around in, in the news about you know these and these are ready to open this is the date they're going to do it and there's this reopening going on and there's no doubt about feeling safe as a consumer is extremely important right now we are in the bottom of maslow's hierarchy needs we want to make feel safe and that's your the, the, the feeling you have to help to create around your products, your, the way you operate, the way the physical environment is, payment and everything. How, what would your thinking be that, you know, what would be the best way to now to, to, to reopen your physical unit and how can technology actually be a big part of facilitating this, that people feel safe, both employees and customers for that sake? I think a lot of that feeling of safety is around communication and your perception and your understanding of what the business is doing. So I think um, a lot of that kind of happens outside of the venue. So as you're preparing to reopen, I think we've seen some um, really interesting examples. Uh, Pret is one, Gales is another, but you know, lots and lots of organizations are doing this. They're explaining 
in simple terms, these are the steps that we're taking to keep our staff safe. These are the, the measures that we're putting in place to keep our customers safe. And sometimes that's about managing expectations. And it's about saying, you know, you'll have to queue for longer. We're only having two customers in the shop at any one time. If you want a, a better service, then order online and we'll have it ready for you to, to collect. So a lot of that conversation is happening before people even get to the venue. I think um, there is an opportunity to really double down on uh, cleanliness and, and kind of making sure that some of those cleaning processes, if you like, that used to be a bit more kind of, you know, we do those only in quiet times or we try and avoid the customer kind of seeing that. People are going to want to see that and they're going to want to see those measures. One way that technology could help that is with a compliance app like Trail, which a lot of operators, large and small, have implemented that is not just sort of taking out some of the guesswork, but it's helping to demonstrate to customers, not only are we doing this, but we can prove that we're doing it. We can see the sort of steps that we're taking. So I think those sorts of technology solutions are being slightly more kind of foregrounded now, if you like, because people are saying, actually, we, we really need to keep on top of this. It won't be enough to say we've got the the health and safety policy that people have read and signed on the day that they joined. We need to be really active about the stuff like, you know, cleanliness, inspections, temperature checks, all of those sorts of things people will have a heightened awareness of. So um, using some sort of paperless, app-driven, um, easily verifiable, auditable uh, record-keeping system, I think is going to be more important than ever. I guess, yeah, that thing is, is totally spot on, I think, what you said. It's about what how you feel before you actually approach the space. So it's actually the, the pre-communication and, you know, telling people how you will take payment, make make them take them on the, you know, your journey, your customer journey, how you have reimagined that. And that, that brings me into to the next thing I would like to discuss with you, because I guess that, you know, the progressive operator is right now reviewing their both their customer and their employee journey and thinking about what is it that we need to do short-term and long-term from a digital point of view to, to first of all, right now and here, make it feel safe with implementing technology, but also how do we actually optimize? Because we know the market we're coming on the other side uh, is not going to be anything as we, we left and it's going to take a very long catch-up time to get to the same numbers with these restrictions. As long as we don't have a cure, as we all say, we in principle have social distance in place and limitation on then on hospitality operation. So what are your what are your thinking that you know you need to start thinking now about now as an operator? Let's just say the next ninety days, Rob, to make it uh, realistic and within within the world we can manage. I think the next ninety days still present an opportunity to to get your house in order. So again, it's a question of looking at where is your business inefficient, where you might have been able to carry some of that inefficiency or just rely on continued or high sales um, to, to sort of offset that. You just won't be able to sustain it. So this really, it still, I think, is going to be a, a, a what hopefully we'll see in hindsight as being a golden opportunity to really review those processes to understand where we're inefficient, to get rid of those spreadsheet-driven activities and to make sure that our business is as joined up as it can be. I think there's a particular issue around um, managing communications with staff, though. So I think if there were an area to focus on, if you haven't already, it would be on employee engagement and internal communications. What I mean by that is 
making sure that all the information that you have on your staff teams is up to date and you have your kind of records in place, but particularly that you're almost over-communicating with them where they might be on furlough or maybe their shifts are reduced or where you're uncertain about the future of the business or what it might look like. Just maintaining that dialogue with them, I think, is going to be so much more important than it ever has been. And there are lots and lots of ways of doing that that I think we just haven't had before. So if I imagine even kind of five years ago, 10 years ago, what would the hospitality industry have done with a COVID-19 pandemic? We would have been, I think, in a much, much weaker position in terms of keeping in touch with our teams. Lots of organisations have been using things like Facebook and, and WhatsApp for a long time, and they're getting a lot of um, a lot of benefit from that. But I think partly those consumer platforms are very hard to control the narrative, and partly people have to keep in mind that using them for work purposes is not GDPR compliant. So if there was an area to focus on, um, I think for the next 90 days, it would be around internal comms, making sure that you have the right systems in place in terms of the technology solution, but also making sure that your um, your processes are there to show that people are able to engage, you're able to give updates to, to your teams in a very consistent way. You can sort of have that near real-time communication with them. The tools that are out there are are very, very accessible and very easy to use, and they follow a very similar um, kind of social network type format with things like a newsfeed and instant messaging um, that people find very easy to adopt. So for me, this is a really potentially easy and quick win that will help you with the next 90 days, but that will also stand your business in good stead for growth um, particularly for, for sort of multiples and the larger operators. For, for everyone, employee engagement is important. And I think even the smallest hospitality operators, if you're reliant on staff that are kind of outside your immediate family, then this is an area that you need to focus on and, and keep on top of. I really agree with you there because also if you don't have this implemented, uh, you know, how are you with all the initiatives you want to do, digital initiative, a change you need to do, how are you going to ensure you have the right organizational drumbeat, I call it? How are you going to ensure that you actually can have people with you as you need to become more productive? You need to change the way of working. You need to change technology, change processes. If you can quickly communicate and get feedback from the front line. And again, there's lot, lots of research. And I, we wrote an article here at Hospitality Maverick once around, you know, lots of these change projects, especially around digitization, actually doesn't happen because of the lack of communication or bad communication from top to bottom or sideways or across because there is no infrastructure put in place or no rules for how you communicate and how you actually get things out to the front line and actually understand if it works for them as well because that's that's so key with technology that actually works in the hands of the people and not only theoretical when you design the project and i think I think I think this is a brilliant opportunity to remove that red tape because people understand and know they need to adapt now and there will be new ways of doing things. So this is a brilliant opportunity to get that communication infrastructure in place, as you say, and start making the right plan that 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 refocus the digital efforts you need to 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 change, you know, uh, your business as you go forward. Absolutely. I, I mean I think one doesn't want to sound too positive or optimistic about what has been an incredibly difficult time for the whole, you know, the whole planet, and particularly the hospitality industry is so 
so sort of disproportionately um, affected by it. But if you're of that sort of can-do attitude that probably a lot of people get into hospitality as a result of, um, you know, this could be a golden opportunity to to implement change. And I think lots of us, you know, in our, our personal lives that we're sort of sensing that are we making the most of this downtime? You know, are we learning that language or reading all the books that we thought we would? Or are we just sort of watching Netflix and, and catching up with our soaps? And it's much the same for businesses of, of all types. You know, it's very rare that you have a period of enforced downtime and introspection and, and the ability to sort of think strategically and, and to look at a business in the sort of slightly abstract. So hopefully this will be a time when people are able to to implement those changes or to undertake those projects that they've been putting off for a long time. And they will say, you know, I wouldn't have wanted it, but actually I've used the time as well as I could. There's a very unfair question in principle, but I ha- I ask everyone on the, on the on this special edition, uh, how do you envision the landscape the next 12 to 18 months? And you can take the digital angle if you want to, but what do you think there's going to be the, the big milestones happening Within the next twelve months, what what is the, what? How is hospitality looking? If 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 from from the knowledge you have today, of course, it changes. It changes every day and every week. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's very tough to sort of have that that crystal ball view. I think a lot of people are really kind of prepared to um, to weigh in with their predictions. I think the one that I see very often, and the one that I'm sort of a bit conflicted about myself, is the the so called death of the office. So, are we um, as a as a nation or as a, a people, are we sort of starting to recognise that actually a lot of the things that I go to an office for, I have at home, you know, do I really need to spend an hour or more each way travelling on a packed tube train? For a lot of organisations, you know, Twitter and Facebook and others, they've kind of said actually remote working is going to continue indefinitely. Lots of organisations are saying our offices won't reopen this side of Christmas, you know, it's it's just easier to plan that way. So where does that leave city centre hospitality operators who are built around big communities of office workers? You know, maybe their model is is very much at risk, but will we start to see a commensurate growth in the suburban high street, in towns away from big cities where people sort of choose to live for that slightly more um, comfortable quality of life or, you know, more space, maybe we start to see a bit of a, a shift in balance. For the large multiples, if they've invested heavily in city centre sites, and that's the sort of the Pretz, Coco de Mamas, Leons, maybe that's um, a significant risk. And we're already seeing, seeing organisations changing the way that they uh, sort of think about paying their rent and, you know, some really fundamental shifts. From a digital perspective, that's going to mean maybe an impact on food for delivery. Maybe people are more comfortable with delivery at home than they are in the workplace. But understanding how to serve that market, and particularly where people are more distributed or they're not prepared to kind of come to the the venue that's nearest to their office, looking at that kind of cost to serve and the delivery model and how do you get people to sort of come to the venue, I think... Partly that will have a a sort of a technology focus to it, making sure that we're sort of as lean as we possibly can be in in serving customers with with delivery. But a lot of it, I think, is fundamental change that actually technology will have a very secondary role. And it will really be about 
looking at where where businesses are situated and what their their model is and to an extent those are those are issues that technology can't fix i really like your view on the office bit because i've been in principle looking at the same and thought yeah of course there's a degree of that but there's also reality there's not everybody that can work from home uh, and it's not really doesn't work for them so i I think yeah it's going to be an interesting transition because all that really has an impact on high street especially around london or anywhere with those offices that could have a massive impact the whole lunch trade so yeah it's going to be interesting to see also how how that involved to wrap it up rob what would be your like three top advice you're already given a couple of advice uh, during the, the conversation but like what are your top three advice to operators out there let's take the digital angle what is it that they should do right now uh, and the next next coming time here because of course in three months time your advice would probably be different uh, but right now what would you say they should do okay so i think in general terms hospitality operators need to remember that their customers choose the operator, not the technology that they have. And that's especially true at the moment, but uh, is a general good principle to follow. That First, focus on your, your customer offer and make sure that's as good as it can be. If you're thinking about ways to improve your business, I would focus on understanding the problem that you're trying to solve. So try and forget, if you can, all of the kind of good advice that you've had or the adverts on LinkedIn or social media or the things that have popped up in your inbox saying we can revolutionize your business. First, understand what it is that your um, big problems are that you're trying to fix before you go out to the market. And then finally, I think take a systems approach. So understand the entirety of your your hospitality business, uh, whether that's a single shop or a, a big multiple in different countries, Look at the flow of the customer and look at how employees uh, do their do their roles. So try and understand the the whole system and, and work out where the pinch points are or or where the um, the sort of the greatest inefficiencies are. In terms of the very specific kind of COVID nineteen things that that hospitality operators need to look at, we've sort of talked about these uh, in a bit more detail uh, throughout the the call. But to summarise. Uh, employee engagement, really important, making sure that you're able to have really effective, very quick, very well-received internal comms is crucial. Labor productivity and and uh, sort of forecasting and making sure that you've got the right staff on at the right time, I think is going to be really important. And then that social media, digital engagement piece, which might be kind of making sure that your email campaigns are really good. It might be making sure that your Uh, customer records, if that's relevant to your business, are all up to date. It might just be doing more and doing better social media, but understanding and and improving on that that digital customer relationship uh, is crucial. It, It would have been great if you'd been great at it before the pandemic started, but it's never too late to start. That's super interesting because when I was sitting here making notes of the show, it's like you're saying, get a get a fax, analyze, just don't start doing something but analyze where the 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 20 give 80 percent, and then you say make a plan and then execute very fast on it and measure again if you've been been successful or that is that correctly yeah i i mean i think it, it's not just for hospitality i mean it's it's useful advice for for people in all different types of industry but um trying not to have one massive killer project where you plan and plan and plan and you have this sort of very fixed 
immovable milestone that will inevitably lead to disappointment, it's a really difficult way to work and it's probably not going to help very much. So it, with with implementing technology particularly, I would always urge people to iterate, to find ways of building in customer feedback or staff feedback, seeing how you can kind of gradually implement change, make sure that the thing that you thought you needed to do is the right thing to do. So make sure that you've got room to to pivot or to um, kind of adjust and, and really kind of take into account the feedback that you get. It's particularly useful for hospitality operators, especially when they're trying new things. So I think if you're looking at how you emerge from lockdown faced with people wanting delivery or people wanting collection or faced with you know, not being able to fully open your kitchen or limited numbers of people. And that point where we sort of have that awkward, you know, screens up in the dining room and people sort of socially distant from each other, trying new things and seeing what works will will help if you give yourself permission to fail. And if you're able to try things and, you know, run a trial in one venue before you roll it out to other places or understanding how you might need to uh, shift your your business model um, will help you to respond to those new challenges. Amazing. Amazing, Rob. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your your insights and, and knowledge with out there. And uh, I, I'm sure there's some people out there that's going to grab some of this and start making some, some changes in the organization and actually look a bit different on the whole digital uh, approach in the organization. Thank you. If I can just do a quick shameless plug, I talked a bit about that sort of systems-wide thinking and really understanding your your whole business. Um, I created this this uh, resource, Hospitality Tech Stack, which is at hospitalitytech.uk. And on there, there's a, a template that you can use to really kind of um, understand all of the different technology systems that you have in place in your, in your restaurant or across your business and looking at the things where, oh, actually, this, this process is a an Excel-based process, or this is something we do on paper, you can see the sorts of things you ought to look out for, ways to evaluate different kind of software solutions and some recommended suppliers. So hopefully that will be of use to some people if they are taking the time to take that systems-wide approach and understand where they need to focus their attention. We will put that in the, the show notes as well, because that was what I, I also referred to in the, the introduction, the, that you have actually built some very good content that can help you get that that overview so it's very good you remember that rob so uh, <laughs> that's probably one place to go to start the journey to get a bit of an overview i, I will totally agree on that thank you again rob and uh, you stay safe and uh, power and energy for you to to get through this as well thanks michael wow rob amazing conversation around digitalization and how to use tech to leverage performance in the new now if you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share it, rate it, and let us know what you think. If you have not checked out our previous episodes, you can find them all on the Hospitality Mavericks podcast channels. Coming Back Stronger series is brought to you by the wonderful people at Vita Mojo, the digital partners for ambitious operators like Leon, Yo Sushi, Farmer J, and other leading brands transforming their businesses with technology. Check them out at software.vitamojo.com and contact them directly by nick.lidl at vitamojo.com. Thank you for listening.